0: Many years ago, Riley Knight completed a degree in history. This proved to be a bad move, as it was absolutely useless for him. Until now, here's some half assed history. What's going on, mate? Great to be along for some more half assed history. This week on the agenda, we're going to be having a chat about William and Caroline Herschel. These were uh, these two were a pair of siblings. They were instrumental in the advancement of uh, of astronomy. William Herschel is credited with the discovery of, um, like, okay, I didn't like. There's there's so much low hanging fruit with William Herschel and his important astronomical discovery. I'm just going to assume, like, let's just let's just get out of the way. All right, he discovered Uranus. Very good. There's so there's just so I'm not like. It's just so obvious, the stuff that's there, that actually today, I'm going to surprise everyone by not going after all the low-hanging fruit. I know that, you know, you pro- it's probably going to be a disappointment to many listeners. He discovered Uranus, and that's all I'm going to say on the matter, right? He also discovered a bunch of other stuff, infrared ra- radiation, whatever else, a whole host of other important astrono- uh, astronomical discoveries. But he is mainly known for the discovery of <coughs> Uranus, while Caroline... Uh, she discovered uh, well nothing that you know is going to make a six-year-old burst into the giggles, but uh, she did discover you know made a, a bunch of uh, important uh, astronomical discoveries herself, including several comets. as She worked alongside her brother as as his tireless assistant. Uh, William's pioneering work in astronomy brought him fame and fortune and, and even royal favor in his lifetime. And Caroline's work by his side also meant that she broke several barriers in her own right as well. Uh, Caroline Herschel. Was the first ever woman to receive a paid salary as a scientist, and the first woman uh, ever to hold a paid English governmental position. And between the two of them, they advanced the science of astronomy astronomy, uh, quite significantly, as I say, improving everything from telescope designs to astronomical cataloging processes. And what makes their story even more remarkable, right, is that Williams started off in life as a musician and as a composer while caroline was almost forced to become a house servant before she was uh, before she became a singer and then and only then uh, became an astronomer so there are a few interesting twists and turns in this one it's a it's a very personal story of two siblings who spent the majority of their lives working together to to profoundly change our understanding of the heavens so let's get to it. Let's get to it here and meet these two here, They're interwoven stories as they work together to unravel the mysteries of the stars. Uh, we're going all the way back here, all the way back to 1738, when on the 15th of November, William was born. Uh, William, or to give him the name that uh, he was given at birth, uh, Friedrich Wilhelm Herrscher. Uh he, he was born in Hanover, which is today part of modern Germany, but back then, part of the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, he was one of ten children to his parents, Isaac and Anna Ilse. Isaac uh, played the oboe in the Hanover military band, and both William and his brother Jacob uh, ended up following in their father's fit- footsteps, and they played uh, they played the oboe uh, in the Hanover, uh, Hanoverian Guards regiment. Now, at this point in time, Hanover, while it's part of the Holy Roman Empire, right, it is ruled by the same bloke who ruled Great Britain, George II, and in 1755, William and uh, and Jacob they're taken to England with their regiment, right. At this stage, young Caroline, the eighth child, she's just five years old when her two older brothers are carted off to England. Uh, She was born on the 16th of March in 1750. And I'll tell you this, she had a pretty rough time of it growing up as well. Even at the age of five, she was put to work in the household. Her mother stood in the way of her education. Isaac attempted to... um, Give all of his children a basic education, you know, teaching them to read and write. But Anna Elsa, his wife, didn't really seem to agree with, uh, with this approach and stood in the way of her young daughter, Caroline, actually receiving a proper education. It only got worse as well because at the age of 10, poor Caroline then got typhus, which affected her vision, stunted her growth uh, she only grew to be about 130 centimetres tall, which was short even by the standards back then. And as a result of her illness and its effects, her mother assumed that she would never marry or amount to anything at all, and so decided that she would instead become a house servant. Her mum prevented her from uh, learning needlework or how to speak French, which were skills that she uh, could you know, potentially use to get a position as a well-paid governess. And instead, Caroline was put to work in the household doing all the chores for the family. So she really did have a rough go of it in her earlier years, but fortunately, it did get better from there. I mentioned how William travelled to England with his regiment after a brief and unsuccessful deployment at the Battle of Hastenbeck, which was part of the um, uh, the Seven Years' War. William actually left the military behind him. He returned to England and he began full-time work as a musician and a composer. Now, he learned English very quickly, started going by the English version of his name, William, rather than Wilhelm. That's why we're calling him William today. Um, and he played in various orchestras and ensembles during the uh, during the 1760s. He also wrote a bunch of music. He wrote symphonies, concertos, sonatas. And in seventeen sixty six. He was appointed the director of public concerts and the organist of a church in Bath, in the English city of Bath. Um, and he played at, at, at this church's official opening in 1767. And overall, look, you know, he did very well as a musician did, William. While he isn't known, you know, to history as a, as a Mozart or a Beethoven, anything like that, he still made a tidy living for himself off of his musical talents. And even today, you can go and listen to the symphonies he wrote, uh, which are, you know, excellent. They're very, they're very, very good indeed. And uh, he wasn't the only one. With musical talents, of course, you know, with, with his father being a musician, Caroline also had a good deal of musical talent, probably inherited uh, from her family as well, uh, particularly as a singer. And uh, after their father, Isaac, died, William was actually able to extract Caroline from her rather wretched situation in Hanover with her mother and put uh, and, and help Caroline put her uh, her musical talents to, to good use. William suggested that Caroline join him in England as, and perform as a singer at the, at the same church that he was employed at, and overrode their mother's objections to the idea. So, it, and this was the reason that in 1772, Caroline finally escaped Hanover, escaped her overbearing and oppressive mum and moved to Bath, joining William and singing as part of the concerts that he would stage in this church. And her talents as a singer opened up a new world of opportunity for this young woman. Uh, But she interestingly refused to sing for any conductor other than her brother, who she really did seem to idolise. But still, she loved living in Bath. Obviously, a very positive change in her life. She's moving in social circles. She's working as a singer and, and having a much better time than she was back in Hanover so things are going very, very well for her. However, in the 1770s, both William and Caroline became less and less interested in music, as the pair of them instead began to engross themselves in another field entirely, one completely unrelated, more or less, astronomy. William seemed to have ambitions of social advancement. And uh, I tell you this, he was in a good position. Uh, he was in a good spot to pursue this, right? As a musician, of course, he was regularly exposed to people from the upper social strata, many of whom were so-called natural philosophers, you know, these upper-class gentlemen scientists who spent their abundant leisure time investigating scientific questions as a hobby. And so William and Caroline, along with him, they became increasingly interested in astronomy. They read books such as James Ferguson's Astronomy Explained Upon Sir Isaac Newton's Principles and Made Easy to Those Who Have Not Studied Mathematics, quite a snappy title, and there are a couple more like that coming this episode, don't worry about this, Um, and their music careers as a result began to dwindle. They didn't give up on music altogether straight away, because obviously that was how they were earning their crusts. but... Their astronomical careers really began to take off, and music slowly but surely started to be left behind them. William learned how to build telescopes. He took lessons from other experts, read extensively on the subject, and ended up dissatisfied with the telescopes that were available for him to purchase. And so instead, he started to build himself a telescope that was going to, you know, conform to the standards that he was uh, he was looking for here. He built these marvelously high t- high-quality telescopes, ground his own lenses, polished his own mirrors, right? And his work on telescopes would go on to be groundbreaking. It's pretty amazing that he looked at the available options and was just like, "Oh, no, nah, I I reckon I could make a better one at home." But that is just what he did. He invented a, a type of telescope called, you know, very appropriately, the Herschelian telescope, and I will admit I don't really understand what they involved, but they were extremely hard to make correctly as they needed large mirrors without any flaws. And Herschel had to make these mirrors himself. Well, I say himself, you know, he was assisted, of course by not only Caroline, but also another one of his siblings, Alexander, who also lived in England at the time, although Alexander didn't stick around for quite as long. In addition to help him, uh, helping him polish mirrors and set up telescope mounts, Caroline would read to William as he worked, because, you know, you're, you're sitting there polishing mirrors for hours and hours a day. It's not exactly enthralling work, so she would help to make sure that he's you know he was entertained, and also made sure that he was fed and looked after as more or less the head of his household. And together, they created a remarkable piece of scientific equipment. They they created a telescope that really was at the cutting edge of astronomical technology at the time. And by the time that we get to 1773, William has begun to make preliminary observations of the night sky with this homemade telescope, with results that completely turned the science of of astronomy on its head. Astronomy is still a hobby for William. At this point, he's still making money from his work as a musician. But every night, right, he would go out, sweep the night sky with his telescope, make observations and explain his findings to Caroline the next morning. He wasn't content with examining the planets or their moons or other nearby celestial bodies. He wanted to know more about the distant stars, and as a result, he spent a lot of time investigating them. Throughout the 1770s, William investigated stars known as double stars. These are stars that appear very close to one another in the night sky, although, of course, sometimes, in a lot of cases, there are yawning gulfs between them, but from our position on Earth, they look to be right next to each other. It was thought that over time, the, the, you know, movement, in inverted commas, of these stars could be used to determine their distance from the Earth, comparing different measurements over time using their parallax to calculate how far away they are from Earth. I don't really understand how any of that works either, but it was, you know, a a real hot topic for research at the time. And as he was investigating these double stars, his, his powerful telescope actually aided him in making a truly remarkable discovery. Many of these double stars, that is, you know, stars that were thought to only seem to be close to one another, were actually what we call binary stars today. Now, binary stars don't just seem to be close to one another. They are close to one another, cosmically speaking, as they orbit uh, they orbit together around a shared centre point called a barycenter. Now, binary star systems are actually very common. The majority of stars are paired in this way. And the distinction between binary and double stars was a very important one for Herschel to make because the common thinking was that stars were isolated, like our Sun is, like our star, the star at the centre of our solar system, it's it's isolated, it's not part of a binary system. Double stars seem close to each other from our perspective on Earth, but in reality they're separated, of course, by vast distances. It's just our position in the galaxy that makes them look close. But William's observations that some of these stars were actually close to each other, again, galactic terms was a very important data point indeed in the science of astronomy. William catalogued hundreds and hundreds of binary star systems in the coming years, all, of course, with Caroline's assistance. He published his findings in various books in the coming years and decades, one of which had the the following title. Are you ready for this one? Account of the Changes that Have Happened During the Last 25 Years in the Relative Situation of Double Stars with an Investigation of the Cause to Which They Are Owing. Maybe these books were, like, printed before the invention of the saying, don't judge a book by its cover, I don't know, whatever it is. Research into double stars and binary stars was of course a hugely important part of William Herschel's contributions to the science of astronomy, but it wasn't to be his crowning achievement. It wasn't to be the thing that would define his legacy as an astronomer. That came along in 1781, this is when he made his, uh, his hugest discovery, one that led to fame and fortune and, and of course cemented his place in the history books. In 1781, on the 13th of March specifically, William was scanning the night sky still hunting for double and binary stars when he noticed a disk-like object through his telescope. Now he thought initially that it was a comet, but in the coming days and weeks as he continued to observe this object, he began to come to a different conclusion about it. He corresponded with other astronomers about his observation, and ultimately decided that its orbit indicated that it was a planetary body. It wasn't a comet, it wasn't a star, or anything else like that. It was an actual, factual planet. And the reason that this was such a big deal is that there had not been a new planet discovered in our solar system for literally thousands and thousands of years. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn had all been observed by Babylonian astronomers in, the time, in, in ancient, prehistoric times. But here we are in the 18th century with a new planet being discovered. This is massive. It is a monumental discovery. And once it was confirmed, William Herschel became a hugely celebrated figure. And showing that he was a very politically canny bloke, He named this new planet, he named it the Georgian Star, or Georgium Sidus, right, naming it after the English king, George III, and this proved to be a good move. William was showered with royal favour, he received plenty of other accolades as well. In 1782, he was appointed the king's astronomer, he was made uh, a fellow of the Royal Society, he was awarded its prestigious Copley Medal, and on top of that, he gained gained a huge amount of renown, not just as an astronomer but also, of course, as a telescope maker. It was, after all, the telescope that he'd made himself, the one that was finally powerful enough to properly observe a new planet with which he'd made this incredible discovery. And so everyone was clamoring to get their hands on uh, on this new Herschelian type of telescope here. Anyway, as I say, he secures not only his legacy with this discovery, but also the fame and fortune that went with it because he's in the King's Good Books now. He gets a new job working for the King out at Windsor near Windsor Castle. And his, his career as an astronomer took off, even despite the fact that the name William gave the planet Georgium M. Cetus didn't actually stick. For example, the French just refused to call it that. They weren't fans of the English at this point, and they weren't going to honour the English king with his name. So instead, they called the planet Herschel there was a while where this planet was called Herschel, and some people even called it Neptune, but it, was, uh, it ended up being a different mythological figure that was chosen. Uh, all the other planets had been named after Roman gods, of course, and as Saturn is the next planet out from Jupiter, and also as Saturn is the father of Jupiter in Roman mythology, it was thought that naming the new planet Uranus would make a lot of sense, as it was the next planet out uh, past Saturn, and of course Uranus is the father of Saturn. This was an idea put forward uh, by, uh, by astronomer Johann Bode in 1782. But it did take a long time for the name to stick. And in fact, some British governmental documents right through to the mid 19th century, all the way through to the 1850s, still use the name Georgium Cetus. It took a long time for the name Uranus to actually stick. Anyway, as I say, William, he has snagged himself an enormous triumph uh, here. He has uh, become an overnight celebrity in the scientific world. The King has invited him to live in Windsor to work so the royal family could have access to his, you know, remarkable telescopes. He's on 200 pounds a year from the King to keep working. It's, And you won't be surprised to learn that it is at this point that William and Caroline with him Abandon their musical careers altogether and make this move to a little village, a little village called Datchet, which is near Windsor Castle. Although I have to say, in the case of Caroline, this move was made with some reluctance. Uh, she wasn't a fan of uh, of moving to this, you know, this tiny village in the in the countryside. She liked it in Bath. She liked the, uh, you know, the, the 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 connections, the friends, the social life that she had there. Didn't want to live in the countryside near Windsor. And on top of that, the house that they moved into it was a bit rubbish. It had a leaky roof. The servant that they were supposed to have was in prison when they arrived. Bloody oops. But William and Caroline, they adjusted to their new position and they threw themselves into astronomy. With their musical careers now behind them, the two siblings began the colossal task of observing and cataloging nebulae. This is a term that back then referred to scattered objects in the night sky that weren't stars or comets or the like. Today, we're a little more specific with our definition of nebulae. Nebulae are interstellar clouds of gas and dust, but back then... Even other galaxies were identified as nebulae because back then we didn't know that there was such a thing as other galaxies. At night, William and Caroline, they would work on these deep sky surveys, as they were called, which were, which were greatly aided in 1783 when they began to use a telescope that was six metres in length, much better suited to, suited to observing these vastly distant objects. William had attempted to both observe and record his observations concurrently, but this was time consuming enormously inefficient his eyes had to adjust from the darkness of the telescope to the light that he had you know had to use to write with and then back again every time he went between tel- telescope and uh, and paper so instead caroline would sit at a uh, sit at a window right the telescope was obviously mounted outside and william would yell out his observations through the open window for caroline to record and write down but caroline's job wasn't easy or straightforward it wasn't a simple clerical task it involved constant research referencing and cross-checking with the catalogs that already existed this powerful new telescope was 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 hunting out you know nebulae as we know them to be now many other galaxies right But properly cataloguing all of these newly discovered galaxies and nebulae and what have you was a very difficult task indeed because it needed to be done with reference to to discoveries that had already been made. In order to accurately record these new observations, Caroline used a catalogue of stars written by former astronomer royal John Flamsteed. But the problem was Flamsteed's catalogue was organised by constellation, not the most useful order in which to catalogue stars, And Caroline had a monumental task in not only deciphering the sometimes incorrect uh, uh, records that Flamsteed had put together, but also flicking through this catalogue that was very poorly organised. And she got sick of it, to be honest. And as a result, she began to work on a new catalogue, reorganising the stars by distance from the North Pole, so as to be easy to search through. It wasn't finished until 1798, but once she completed it, Caroline's new catalogue, called Catalogue of Stars Taken from Mr. Flamsteed's Observations, was published by the Royal Society and included hundreds of new stars that Flamsteed had missed. And what's more, this catalogue formed the basis of the new general catalogue compiled in 1888, which has been revised over the years and is still in use today. William and Caroline's work then proved to be invaluable. William worked to observe and record nebulae, while Caroline ultimately helped to create the catalogue of galaxies and nebulae that is still used today. Their work continued on through the 1780s, and on top of her work cataloguing Williams' findings, Caroline did a fair bit of astronomical research in her own right. She used a smaller telescope to research comets. She discovered a good number of them, and her findings were published by the Royal Society, which was quite a remarkable thing as she was a woman, the Royal Society, a famously uh, historically sexist uh, institution. And even more remarkable was the fact that she was actually paid for the work that she did with William, starting in 1787. Now, it wasn't much £50 a year, you know, a quarter of what her brother had got. But it made her, as I mentioned, the first woman in history to have a paid position as a scientist and the first woman to hold a paid government position in England. William, meanwhile, he continued his pioneering work on telescopes, which culminated in 1789 with the construction of a 12-metre telescope paid for by King George III. Now, you'll remember that the telescope that the, uh, the, the, the Herschel siblings were using uh, previously to discover these nebulae was six metres long. So this one was absolutely enormous, twice the size of the one that they'd uh, they'd been using throughout the 1780s. In 1785, William approached the king with his proposal. He asked for a $4,000 grant, although the project did go over, over budget, and the king gave him the money. And with this funding secured, William began construction on a gigantic telescope. The tube for this telescope was so big that people could walk down it without bending, without, you know, ducking down. And the mirrors inside it were over a metre in diameter. And on top of that, the whole thing had to be built inside an apparatus that could move and rotate and swivel to examine various areas of the night sky. It was no good building somewhere that it could only point at one patch of sky. It had to be moved. When it was completed... It wasn't just the largest telescope ever built, it was at that point in history, the largest piece of scientific equipment ever built. And William used the new telescope to discover some of Saturn's moons, but in all honesty, it actually wasn't that useful as a telescope. The huge mirrors were very difficult to work with, they required constant maintenance to keep clean and proper. This technology the, the technology to make the type of mirrors that they needed for a telescope of this size just didn't exist yet and it wouldn't until well into the 19th century. So this telescope unfortunately was a little ahead of its time and and wasn't backed up by the uh, by the technological prowess of the day. Still, despite it being you know very expensive and not very scientifically useful, King George III was very pleased with his investment. let me tell you this because it looked very impressive. It brought scientists and tourists and dignitaries and other visitors to England just to see it because you know it was just colossal. And so he was happy enough with it just for the prestige that he got, even if it didn't you know, result in a huge number of scientific findings. So throughout the 1780s, it's fair to say, professionally speaking, both Caroline and William, they were firing on all cylinders. William was making great strides in both astronomy and the craft of making telescopes, while Caroline was carving out a place for herself as a female scientist, which is a very, very difficult thing, uh, you know, very, very difficult position to successfully hold in those days. However, In 1788, something took place that drove a wedge between the siblings, who of course had been thick as thieves for years, as I'm sure you've already figured out. William got married. He married a wealthy widow called Mary Pitt, and all of a sudden, Caroline was no longer the most important woman in her brother's life. Mary took over William's household, and Caroline was forced to move out, losing ready access to all the astronomical equipment that was stored in William's residence. It's thought that Caroline was not a fan of this situation at all, as you can imagine, a reasonable assumption given you know what she gave up as she moved out of William's house. But we don't know for sure what her exact position on this whole uh, situation was because she destroyed all of her journals that covered the years 1788 to 1798. It's thought that she also bitterly resented Mary, at least to begin with, her new sister-in-law, Although their relationship improved with time, as their correspondence showed in, in later years, and Caroline ended up having a very good relationship, relationship indeed with her nephew, uh, the son of William and and Mary, John Herschel. Um, aside from this, you know, familial feud, however. The rift did lead Caroline to work more independently as an astronomer, and many of her significant discoveries, principally comets, were made during this period of, of you know, slight estrangement from her brother and, and, and the disruption of her previous working conditions with, uh, with William. It also It's also when she worked on this uh, the updated catalogue of stars and nebulae that I mentioned before, the, the one that went on to become the new general catalogue, as you'll remember. So it was a very important time in her career as an astronomer, and she gained sufficient respect as an astronomer in her own right to be invited to spend a week with the royal family in 1799. And even the Royal Society, this famously sexist organisation, which which didn't admit female fellows until 1945, it continued to publish her findings, which really was... Quite remarkable. As for William, he continued to make uh, quite significant discoveries from an astronomical perspective, and outside the discipline of astronomy as well. He discovered some of Uranus's moons, maybe its rings as well. Uh, he measured Mars's axial tilt and observed its ice caps, and he even began to study the uh, the makeup and the structure of the Milky Way. Although he did get a lot of stuff wrong about that. So, yeah, oops, he thought the sun was at the centre of the Milky Way. So, yeah, heliocentrism strikes again. Sorry, sorry, William, can't win them all. Anyway, he also discovered infrared ra- radiation while mucking about with uh, with sunlight filters. Uh, he used a thermometer to prove the existence of light beyond the visible spectrum and, and and in so doing, while he didn't research it super thoroughly, he did at least prove the existence of, uh, of, of infrared radiation. And on top of all of this, this one is really bizarre, right? He also established the fact that coral isn't a plant, but an animal. Bit of bloody biology out of nowhere, this bloke. Lifelong astronomer, well, I mean, no, I guess also a musician as well, but now he's off doing bloody biology. Apparently, he was able to use a microscope to prove that coral cells lack a a cell wall, which is obviously a critical characteristic of plant life. And today, of course, obviously, all of us know that coral is an animal and not a plan everyone knows that of course definitely didn't just learn that now did you no i mean everyone knew that everyone knows that today but apparently it was william who got there first in uh, in realizing this anyway william had achieved his objective of upward social mobility as in his later years he had accolades and titles heaped upon him from around the world he got a coat of arms and everything he was inducted into a ton of scientific fellowships and academies everywhere from the united states to sweden In 1820, he founded the Astronomical Society of London, which would go on to become the Royal Astronomical Society, a society that is still active to this very day. But after this long and fulfilling life that saw him change our understanding of our place in the universe, sadly, William Herschel died on the 25th of August, 1822, at the age of 83. And of course, he owed much of his lifetime of achievement to his sister, who, as I hope I've made very clear by now, was a tirelessly dedicated assistant to him throughout his entire life. Caroline was devastated by the loss of her brother. Their relationship may have never been the same after he married, but they were never properly estranged or anything else like that, and they remained close. Poor Caroline was deeply affected by the death of William, and understandable given the sheer volume of time they had spent together throughout their lifetimes. At the age of 71, Caroline decided to leave England after her brother's death and move back to her native Hanover, although she did come to regret this. She'd lived in England for 50 years and she had very little waiting for her back in Hanover, but she did remain there for the rest of her life nonetheless. She spent her time working on her catalogue of stars and undertaking that her nephew John Herschel would continue in the years to come. John Herschel, by the way, went on to have An illustrious scientific career of his own, not just as an astronomer, but also as a chemist, botanist, mathematician, and an inventor. He invented the blueprint. John went on to travel to the Southern Hemisphere in an effort to bring the catalogue to a greater degree of completeness with the stars visible there. His career is also very interesting indeed. Might be worth an episode in and of itself, but... Back in Hanover, Caroline, she continued to work away in her twilight years, although she was unable to make any new discoveries of her own. Unfortunately, Hanover just wasn't suited to, you know, original astronomical investigation, and she was, of course, very old by this stage. She spent some time writing her memoirs, one of the reasons that we know so much about her and her brother's life, and she spent time with various other scientific figures who either lived in or were visiting Hanover, and she received honours from the Royal Astronomical Society, the society her brother instituted in 1820, and was made an honorary member in 1835, along with Mary Somerville, another famous female scientist. The two of them were the first women to be admitted into the society, which was a little more forward-thinking than the Royal Society. And in 1846, she received an award from King Frederick William IV of Prussia for her contributions to Scientific Inquiry. And after this, she died just a few years later, in 1848, at the age of 97. A towering figure in astronomy, to be sure, but also a pioneering woman who made her mark on the history of science in a way that was nigh impossible for women back then. Between the two of them, William and Caroline Herschel discovered no fewer than 2,000 400 astronomical objects, and while William's name is the one that is brought up in connection with all those famous discoveries and achievements, there's little doubt that his life's work would have been greatly diminished without his sister Caroline, who was of course a remarkable astronomer in her own right. But that's it. That's all she wrote today, sports fans. That is the story of William and Caroline Herschel, and it was it was great to have a little bit of a history of science episode once again. You know, I do love to get across them. So. Uh I'd love to hear suggestions if you've got other other ideas for this sort of thing, you know, history of science, history of inventions, technology, all that sort of stuff. It's always great to get across these ones. So if you've got a suggestion, please let me know. half Us is the best place to uh, send in suggestions or on the Discord, bit.ly slash join Riley's Discord. There's a little channel down there. You scroll down, you can see half Us History uh, topic suggestions and I, I read through there very regularly and I, I, always, uh, always researching the stuff that people send in. So thank you so much to anyone who's sending in uh, ideas or feedback or anything else like that. Uh, if you want to support the show, of course, I mean, listening to the show is, uh, you know, is a lot of support as it is. But if you want to uh, support the show financially, patreon.com slash Half History, there are plenty of people supporting the show every week, and I appreciate every each and every one of them. Thank you so much, Exalted Patreons. If you'd like to join up there, you can get access to behind the scenes episode, un- behind the scenes, uh, uncut episodes, bloody, you know, uh, show notes, all sorts of stuff there. But uh, I-, I tell you every week, of course, you already know about this. And uh, a special thanks, of course, to anyone who is out there uh, telling their mates about the show. It's great to get the word of Half-House History out there. So thank you very much. I'll be back next week with episode 150. Can you believe it has been so long? And I appreciate everyone who's been here, whether a new listener or an old listener. It's great to have you. We're going to close out the show. I did say we were going to avoid the low-hanging fruit of the planetary discovery made by William Herschel. I did say that we weren't going to make too many jokes about Uranus, but let's 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 have one, as a treat. As a, as a little treat, let's just have one. this uh, this question posed on Reddit comes to us from redditor Chris Craig, who asks, <clears throat> "If I study Uranus with a telescope, doesn't that make me a proctologist?"